Hey, I'm Charles Robinson, and welcome to Future City, the monthly show here on WYPR, where we move the conversation from what's wrong to what's next. It's Black History Month, so we spotlight the accomplishments of career communications. 38 years ago, Tyrone Trayborn, the CEO of Black Engineer Magazine, had an epiphany. It began with a conversation with the first dean of the recently created School of Engineering at Morgan State University. He wanted to create a conference where students in training could see real Black engineers. The idea lives on today and will happen again in Baltimore starting on February the 15th. Trayborn will update us on the conference, the new fields of study, and what's on the horizon. So I'm delighted to be joined once again here on Future City by Dr. Tyrone Trayborn. Last time you and I joined, we were talking about AI. We're going to talk a little bit about AI this time as well. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the fact that Career Communications, the organization you run, is going to be coming back to Baltimore for its Black Engineer of the Year uh, um, celebration. So let's begin, Tyrone. Why did you start this whole idea of the Black Engineer of the Year? Charles, thank you for having me on the show, number one. But let me tell you, this: the Black Engineer of the Year started. It's, a, it's really a history of Maryland. And what I mean by that is that almost 38 years ago, a little further than that, uh, there was no school of engineering uh, in Maryland at a historically black college. And you know that the legislators fought and were able to get Morgan accredited, not accredited, but to award Morgan the ability to uh, create civil engineering, electrical engineering. And they brought in a fellow by the name of Dr. Eugene Deloach as the uh, first dean of engineering at Morgan State. And Doc and I sat down and we talked about these young people, many of whom this was the first year, the first generation going to college, let alone engineering, right? So they didn't see any pathway. And we said, we have to take the people in U.S. Black Engineer Magazine that we write about. We've got to get those folks, the kids who are getting the magazines, but they never saw these people in person. They've never met engineers, scientists in person. And we created the first Black Engineer of the Year conference that was held at Morgan State University. Maybe 400, 500 people attended. And now today, well over 12,000 people in person will be in Baltimore attending the Black Engineer of the Year conference. So again, to answer that question, why did we create it? We created it to give kids young people going into science and engineering, giving them real role models so they could see what they could become. Now, over the years, you have staged this event in Baltimore and you've staged it down in Washington and various other places. But this year, you're coming home. Talk about that. I am just absolutely so delighted that uh, my goal is to bring Bayer back where it started uh, some th 38 years ago. And we did go into rotation. We went to Philadelphia. We went to Washington. But we never left the community. My office, Career Communications Group, uh, continued to be right there in uh, downtown Baltimore across the street from the Reginald Lewis Museum. 
Let me tell you why this is so important and how the environment changed. Number one, the economic impact that we're going to have far exceeds uh, $15 million uh, in hotel bookings, restaurants uh, over, over the weekend. But in other cities, we were like an event, just, you know, another convention in Baltimore. Baltimore loves Bayer. We're not a two-day event. We're a 365-day event. The legislators, uh, the business people, the educational leaders, they all look at Bayer as a resource that they can have all year long. So it's nice to come home and really feel as appreciated as we are and to know we're going to have a major impact. And, and, and to tell you this, Charles, my commitment to Bayer staying in Baltimore, I opened up, we have, we, we're opening up at the uh, PS 103 or the Thurgood Marshall Amenity Center with a, uh, a Reverend Hathaway. We have the premier space and we will be doing metaverse training in two, lo uh, in two locations. One uh, at our Pratt Street office where we're training kids and of uh, designing graphics and understanding metaverse. And the main training location will be at PS 103. And that's a heck of a commitment uh, for us to be making. And that's because uh, we want Bayer to stay. So if you were to think about this for a second, if you think about all of the major people from Mark Dean, who's the co-inventor of the IBM PC, all of these people who come through Baltimore, who will give their time for free to sit there and lecture kids and talk to them about the latest technology. Now they have a place to go. They can go to our office, what we're calling STEM City Baltimore at the Thurgood Marshall Building. The resources and the attention we're gonna be able to bring to Baltimore and to those kids who never would see a black general or a black admiral or, or a person even like a Mark Hanna, who's the guy who generated all of the graphics. You know, one of the last things I want to say about that, uh, the other day you may have seen a fellow by the name of Lonnie Suit from Disney, who was inducted into the Hall of Fame, only the second engineer in the history of Walt Disney. He's the guy who did all of those graphics. You know, last year I was talking to, to, to him, and he reminded me, he won the most promising engineer award at the very first Bayer. And this is a guy who has the majority of the patents, more patents for developing technology for the Walt Disney Foundation. He is a guy who would be coming here meeting with our kids. You know, Tyrone, you and I have known each other for a long time. And one of the things that you are always, you're at that cutting edge of whatever is happening in engineering. Talk about where we've come from to where we are uh, today, because, you know, back in those days, you might meet a civil engineer, you might meet an electrical engineer. But, you know, in those early days, it was just trying to get people in the door. But your, your, your folks are succeeding in incredible ways, as you have just already indicated. Well, look, you know, there's a good and bad side to that story. The good side is that when we started less than barely one percent of um, the uh, uh, engineers were black. 
You know, now we have a number that's more toward about 3%. So that's the good news. The bad news is that the number of Blacks and Hispanics going into engineering or STEM-related areas has actually dropped. And so we can talk a lot about why that why that's going on. You know, having I've served on two college boards, Micah, and obviously uh, I was appointed by the governor to be on uh, Morgan State Board as a region for over six years. So I have a different insight, and I can give you some of the reasons why. I think it uh, has a lot to do with the attack on affirmative action. I think it has a lot to do with the lack of funding that kids can get. And even though we have more accredited engineering programs at HBCUs, when we when we started Bay, it was about five or so. Now we're up to about fifteen. Uh, even though we have more act uh, more uh, areas in which kids can do, the majority institutions we're losing a lot of folks uh, in those areas as well. With the exception of what Freeman Rabowski has done, and he's done such a great job out there. Right. So. I was going to say, you know, there was a recent report in the Washington Post about the lack of black doctors. You and black doctors are in that weird space where the need is great, but the the mechanisms to get those individuals who look like you and I into these these fields is is daunting. It, it is. And these fields are highly skilled fields. And I and I will point this out. When you look at people going into medicine and science, that's why we, we tie all of that, uh, stem all of that together. These are fields that are highly committed. People are highly invested in those fields. Right. And that means that they tend to have the highest aptitude to give back because they've invested so much in these fields, they want to give back. Now you take another field where people aren't highly invested, let's say sales. You know, you don't see a whole bunch of salespeople running around wanting to do mentoring. That's not a bad thing, but you can get a lot of engineers, scientists, people like that who do want to give back because they, they, they realize that. But you asked me a question. I was talking to Tavis Smiley the other day. He called me. And he said, he said, Doc, listen, we're putting out the Covenant with Black America update. And uh, we're putting that book back out. Can you update your chapter? And as you can recall, the Covenant was the first book, nonfiction book about Blacks to hit the New York Times bestseller. So I updated uh, on my piece. So your question is really important. What's the difference? Well, when I wrote the Covenant, I was talking about the digital divide, and I said, unless we close this digital divide, people of color will really be irrelevant for the most part. We would just continue to be a working uh, class part of society. Now, and I believe that, and I said, and, uh, and I'm not sure how we're going to truly close that, because the digital divide was about curriculum, hardware, uh, internet access, right? I mean, how do you compete against billion-dollar companies? even if I gave every kid in the world a laptop, well, something's changed. And what has changed is how we are using data or how we will be using data through something called blockchain. All of a sudden we move from 
the, the, the wealth being the person who owned the servers and who had the data having the wealth. We've, we're moving from that to you can own your own data. So, you, so that means we're seeing an equalizing force taking place right now. And that's where AI falls in, virtual reality, all of these things that are going to rely on this transformational shift that's taking place right now. So we're no longer talking about just closing the digital divide. What we're talking about now are new industries being created under right under our nose. And we're at the very beginning of the technology. We're not at the mature age of the technology or the end of the technology. So I see right now the real opportunity for people who've been excluded for the most part, being able to have a real uh, uh, stake uh, in this new technology. And that's why quantum physics, all of these things are so important, but they're not being really taught in the schools yet. And that is one of the reasons I've come back to Baltimore. When I left, uh, when we went into rotation, there were very few companies in technology owned by people who look like me. Now you have a large, you have a significant number of young STEM folks trying to create businesses in STEM and technology. And I think that our company can help them, help them grow, help them actually find small business partners at companies like Lockheed, Northrop, all of our major partners who are always looking for a way to bring in these uh, young entrepreneur kind of folks in their small business development programs. I think, you know, I think coming back to Baltimore, the real underlying reason is because I know we can bring real value and real leadership uh, in the technology area for the city and the region and the state. Well, one of the things that uh, I've known about you is that you're always reaching out to young people and you've been a supporter of HBCUs uh, for, for a little forever, forever, forever. <laughs> um, tell me, what the the new kids are uh, bringing to the table when they come to the Bay of Cops. Because last year I met some of those kids and those kids, I hate to tell you, they're very smart. <laughs> they are smart. And, and, and they're very entrepreneurial and they'll ask you questions that some, I know one of them stumped me on a question. I said, I think you better talk to Dr. Trayborn on that one. I don't know. I don't have the answer to it. But talk about what the young people are talking about and thinking these days. I think the young people, what they get out of Bayer uh, is the ability, is, is truly the, the ability to see people who look like them. And, you know, in the past, they may have seen one person during Black History Month. Imagine that young person, and you were at the event, imagine that one person walking into the Bayer Stars and Stripes event. They didn't see one Black general. They saw hundreds you know, of top leaders. I mean, it's so over overwhelming for anybody, even, you know, adults are overwhelmed by the Bay of what we call the Bay of ex experience. I think what young people are, are seeing they're, they're, they're being given permission, Charles, to dream. Do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah. They're being told it's okay to dream. 
It's okay to reach for the stars. And by the way, if you do that, we've got some tools. We've got a process. Baya this year, our theme will tell you exactly what this all means. Our theme is people, process, technology. And what that means is that if you have the people with the talent and the ability to dream, that is a very important part, but many of them have never been given the process. So what are the processes that take place for professional development? What are the institutional processes that are needed like a Morgan State University to actually help train? That's a process, that's not an accident. So without process, you will never get to the final part of technology. What is good technology? What is impactful technology? So in order, that whole chain is the represents Bayer, the people, the process, and the good technology that comes out of, out of that. I, I think more and more kids are beginning to see that, and they are embracing uh, these opportunities we're, we're hoping to bring to them. That's Dr. Tyrone Trayborn. He's with Career Communications, and he's bringing the Bayer Conference back to Baltimore. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. Tyrone Trayborn of Career Communications. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City here on 88.1 WYPR. In our next segment, I'm always amazed at college students who are trying to navigate their way from the classroom to employment. Take a listen to a pair of seniors from Morgan State University. Um, hi, my name is Courtney Garrett. I'm a senior here at Morgan State University. I'm majoring in electrical engineering, and I'll actually be graduating in May of 2024. Uh, my name is Jeremiah Conway. I'm also a senior electrical and computer engineering major slated to graduate in May 2024. Jeremiah, let's begin with you. You've been to a Bay conference. What do you expect at this year's conference, and what should your fellow students know about the conference? I believe that the Bayer Conference gives young Black engineers a place to cultivate their career ideas and goals because we don't have that safe space where we can sit and talk and have debates about BJTs or transistors or KVL or KCL or have those discussions with other counterparts across the country that go through the same um, rigorous course load that we go through. I think that it also gives us a platform to showcase some of the projects and research that we do as undergraduate students and be able to talk and network with professionals to get better insights on what challenges or what opportunities are in the world for us as young African-American engineers. Was there any conversation you had with maybe a recruiter that has stuck with you from that conference? On last year's uh, Bayer conference that took place in Kansas City, I was able to meet one of the directors at Boeing, and he actually gave me some insights on a class that I was taking on digital integrated circuits about systems on chips or SOCs, and it kind of sparked my interest to move forward into actually doing research in the fall in this semester in uh, VLSI design. So that conversation stuck with me because he took it out of the theoretical realm of being technical and just kind of made it simpler of why it isn't hard and how I know more than what I 
give myself credit for and don't succumb to the pressures of thinking that you have to be a super genius that has all of the answers right off the top of your head, but just knowing that you can go and solve a problem or you can go and find the help that you need to get to the solution. So that was one of those conversations that stuck out to me. I'm guessing that the goal this year for you is to find a job so you don't have to sleep on your mama's sofa. So yes, that is the goal. A lot of, you see a lot of students who are very, very uh, rigorous and enthused about the career fair aspect. I unfortunately was not picked for employment. I won't give the company that interview and they gave me a denial letter, but it does give you the opportunity to even go through an interview process to be able to showcase what you know or what things you have built for yourself on your resume. So I do encourage everyone to attend and try to career fit out and go through the interview process. Because even if you don't get the job that you're intending, you can always get feedback on how to improve and get better. Yes, my name is Courtney Garrett again. Um, I'm majoring in electrical engineering. I'll be graduating in May of 2024. I'm just excited to network. I'm excited to see all the different people I'm gonna meet. And I'm just really excited that Bay of this year is in our city. Um, not only does it give me a chance to go, but there's a lot of other people in the engineering building, but people that are just interested in maybe changing their major to engineering. I know that Jeremiah talked a lot about the interview process. I'm really excited to see just me being able to get my reps in of actually being able to interview, critiquing my resume, just getting more tips on how I can be a better engineer with me being, of course, a double minority in this field. Being a woman is unique in this industry. There aren't a whole lot of female engineers. Do you see this as a challenge or an opportunity? Um, I would say yes. I've had a bit of experience with different internships over my four years of being in Morgan, and it's not the best feeling being the only woman in the room. But I would say throughout my Morgan um, academic career, I've had plenty of professors that were uh, women, though. So me kind of seeing different women in the professional field and actually showing real testimonies of they've made it through, it kind of just gave me hope of like not being too scared, but at least I stand out. So I guess that's good, right? Is there one particular company you were expected to see while you're at the conference? Yeah, I'm pretty interested in um, radio frequency engineering, so learning a lot about like wireless communication. There are a few different companies I am excited to speak with. Um, just the majority of like, of course, the Fortune, five, Fortune 500 companies that are probably going to be there. Um, but I'm excited to either work, you know, in the government field or even private sector as well. So I'm bringing about 20 copies of my resume with me. Thanks, Courtney Garrett and Jeremiah Conway. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City on 88.1 WYPR. There was a time when black engineers were discounted because maybe they didn't come from the schools with storied track records. Like the movie Hidden Figures, which helped launch people into the NASA space program, someone made a decision that the math is just the math. Taking race out of the equation has meant it is no longer an impediment. There are men and women in engineering who have reached the highest levels, and some have opened their own shop. The future is quite bright. 
Yes, you must have the basic skill sets. What's more important is how you approach a problem and how you find a solution. The Bayer Conference is more than a job fair. You can hear from those who've had challenges and learn how to persevere. For young people, it can spark exploration and provide an opportunity to put those skill sets to use. Everything gets started on February the 15th. Future City is produced and edited by Spencer Bryant. If you'd like to drop us a line, you can do so by emailing us at futurecity, that's one word, at wypr.org. Until next time, I'm Charles Robinson for 88.1 WYPR and my producer, Spencer Bryant, and everyone who makes Future City possible. We hope your dreams of tomorrow become a reality. I'm your host, Charles Robinson.